Thank you for pressing start on episode 30 of Underplayed, KZUM's indie video game podcast. Today we have two secret games, followed by a review of our featured game, Baba Is You. Here on Underplayed, we review indie games of all kinds, the games with small budgets but big hearts, the lesser-known experiences with imaginative ideas. Bopo is me, Disco Cola is him. Disco Cola has feel. Feel is what? (laughs) Disco Cola is fine. (laughs) Disco Cola is not smart. Disco Cola (laughs) is here. Uh... Uh, Bopo is me and fine. Fine has reference. Reference is featured game. Featured game is Baba is you. Uh, very excited to talk about this very unique game with you today, Disco Cola. Uh, but first, we have a couple things to talk about. And Disco Cola, I wanted to throw it to you first about a certain store, uh, storefront that is closing down soon uh, that includes some indie games. Yeah, yeah. Somewhat even consider this like a like a a mass extinction in the timeline of of video games um as we're recording this the uh, 3ds and wii u eShops are still accessible you uh can't buy uh products on there the way you used to but you still can buy and download products uh by the time this episode comes out it'll be about two more weeks before that happens so oh, man um, there's a couple of really great indie games on the 3DS and Wii U. Most of them are available on other platforms, but just so that you're aware, if you have these pieces of hardware, you want to play some good indie games. Um, some great ones on the Wii U are Axiom Verge, The First Four Shantae's, Mutant Muds, Runbow, Zeo Drifter, uh, both Toki Tories. Uh, a game I just discovered while I was looking through the eShop today was Thomas Was Alone. I've played that. Uh, that looks really interesting. Yeah, it's a very simple 2D platformer that's kind of a deconstruction of the 2D platformer formula and gives personality to all of these very basic shapes. Yeah. I've thought about picking that as a secret game, but it's been around long enough. I think enough people know about it. It might be eligible for a featured game, yeah, too. I just I'd... haven't even... I would it. be I would be okay with that if you've just okay. one day put it on our list. Cool. Um, some 3DS ones, uh, all of the the first two Gunvolts and the Gunvolt anime, which I think is only available on the 3DS. Um, there is a Runbow Pocket, which I imagine is only available on the 3DS because mm-hmm. it's a pocket version of Runbow. Uh, and then Mighty Gunvolt, which is a game that I have on the 3DS, and that is only available on the 3DS. Oh man, that sucks. Um, but just on top of that. The virtual console on the Wii U and the 3DS is incredible. Just for like classic NES, SNES games, just non-indie stuff. Incredible selection there. So you're missing out on a lot. Like when that eShop goes down, the easiest way to get the like Metroid Prime trilogy for the Wii is going to be paying $200 for that physical. Physical. Yeah. Uh, whereas you can get it for like, 20 bucks you yeah. know, in this eShop right now. Jeez. So there's a lot of stuff uh, that will be unavailable, and it's tragic, and I hate when this kind of thing happens. It's no secret that I'm a physical collector, but when you take away the digital option too, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I think you and I differ when it comes to digital versus physical. I'm more of the digital guy between us, but 
I think we both agree that accessibility is important yeah. and accessibility is available through both physical media and digital uh, storefronts. And this is a thing that we're seeing more and more of. I think it'll be less of a problem as time goes on, as these storefronts are kind of built with the future in mind. Uh, but we're seeing like Sony wanted to take down the Vita mm -hmm. um, storefront so that you couldn't buy Vita games anymore. And there was a big reaction to that. And then they reversed their decision. This decision by Nintendo was announced um, almost a year ago. Or, or I think it was even before the PS Vita, PS3 thing. Yeah, and so they just kind of stuck to their guns it, on it. It was 2022, I yeah. think, like maybe earlier. But at least they gave a lot of forewarning. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for the reminder on this. And yeah, it's going away soon. When this episode drops, there'll be a little bit of time left. And I think I need to get in there and just buy some games that are like 10 or 20 bucks that have been on my wish list for years, yeah. just so that I have access to them uh, without having to pay a lot for the physical versions. Um, but you know, what gives me hope is Nintendo is preserving some older games, not everything that's going away on these storefronts. And they're also, you know, making Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games available on the online subscription yeah. through Switch. Yeah, too. they just so. they have a long way to go before it's even close to the quantity and quality of, of what's available already. Yeah, so hopefully they can go back at some point and address some of those missing games uh, that will be harder to find. Uh, I wanted to talk about another storefront, Steam. And I participated in this event called the Steam Next Fest. Uh, I think it might be annual. They might do a few of them a year. I'm not actually sure about the frequency. I think at least once a year. They do this festival called the Next Fest. Um, were you familiar with the Next Fest at all? Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? No, you're, when you mentioned it, it was the first time I heard of it. Yeah, so I had heard about this before, but I had never participated. And the Next Fest is an opportunity for developers to offer demos of their upcoming games. And it's a week-long event where they'll have a live streams with developers so that they can talk about their games and stream their games. But then they make hundreds of demos available. And they're everything from very small, tiny indie games with very low budgets to like big kind of triple A games with larger teams and such. So what I did is I dipped into the Steam Next Fest. Um, as we're sitting down talking, there's still like a day left in the Next Fest. But by the time this episode premieres, um, the next fest will be over. And a lot of these demos will actually be unavailable. Um, they only make these demos available during the week. And then a lot of them will actually get locked uh, after next fest. Mm. So it's a way to create scarcity and generate interests yeah, yeah, around yeah, yeah. this week. Um, I, I forgot when you sent me these that I that you played the demos. Yes. Yeah, I totally forgot about that part. Um, so what I did is I there are a bunch of really helpful filters. I was able to filter by stuff on my wish list on Steam um, and then also by like indie games. And so I found 20 games that looked really interesting and I played all their demos. And I came away really liking about 12 of the 20 games. So I was really pleased with that percentage of games that I actually would be interested in exploring a little bit later when they actually come out. Um, and I wanted to just quickly talk about my top five that I played. I sent you some trailers for these in your messages so you could reference them. But um, the first one I played, or the first one I want to mention is Planet of Lana. Um, this is an extremely polished inside-like puzzle adventure. And it's about this girl who's exploring this vibrant world and encountering ruthless robots. 
very much like inside in like pacing and perspective and art style and just how polished it is. So I really liked Planet of Lana. It's the one I had heard the most about ahead of Next Fest because Xbox has been talking about putting it on Game Pass and it was uh, previewed at a bunch of showcases in like 2022 and maybe even 2021. So that one will probably get tons of nominations like for Indie Game of the Year. I'm guessing it would be a, a really strong candidate there. Um, the next one is Mail Time. And Mail Time is this cozy cottagecore 3D platformer about delivering letters to forest animals. And I just found this one really relaxing, really fun. Um, it paired really well with another indie game I played called Shumi Come Home. And what I thought was really cool is these two developers developing these very similar games, they actually put references to each other's games in their demos. So the mushroom you play as in Shumi Come Home, you can meet in mail time. And they actually say like, hey, if you you want to check out my game, my game's called Shumi Come Home. And they do it vice versa. So I thought that was really cool. Instead of, you know, being competitors, they're actually embracing how similar they are. So love that. Uh, My next one I want to mention is Sons of Valhalla. And this is very similar to a side-scrolling base-building game I've played called Kingdom, which is on my top 100 indie games list. And this is a game where you have a Viking village, you train warriors, and you conquer neighboring villages before they conquer you. So it's a strategy game. Um, Everything's happening in real time. You're walking around upgrading your archery center and your barracks and your just your general town. Uh, you're gathering resources so you can buy soldiers and buy upgrades and things like that. So I found this really addictive. Um, my next one, my second favorite uh, demo I played is one I think you would love, Disco Cola. Yeah. And it's called Gestalt Steam and Cinder. And it's a steampunk Metroidvania with really fast combat and... Very expressive pixel art. Beautiful pixel art. So you got a chance to check out the the screenshots and the videos there. I am looking forward to this one a lot. I think this would be a, a fun one for both of us. And then my favorite one, and a game that has been on my radar for years, is Radio the Universe. And I think this is being developed by one person, which is why it's taken so long. Ooh. But Radio the Universe is like a more brooding take on Hyperlight Drifter. Mm-hmm. It is about a wanderer descending into ruins filled with dangerous machinery. Um, this is one of the demos I played the longest. I played this for 40 minutes. It's a really chunky demo, and I loved this demo. Nice. Um, I am very much anticipating this game. It is like at the top of my indie game wish list of indie games that aren't out yet. Cool. I, I can't wait for this. Cool. Yeah, I checked out everything that you showed me. I remember seeing a trailer for Planet of Lana and thought it looked really cool. Mail Time definitely looks cute. Um, Sons of Valhalla looks like it plays sort of similarly to Lost Ruins from season oh. two, yeah. I think. Yeah, one of your secret games. Um, yeah, uh, I've seen the trailer for Steam and Cinder a few times. Looks hecka good. And I think uh, the completionist actually announced that his indie publishing company is publishing Steam and Cinder. Oh, got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it definitely seems like a game down his alley yeah, that he would support. At absolutely. Least. Yeah. If I might be wrong, but I think that's what I saw. Sure. And then uh, Radio of the Universe, yeah, looks rad as hell. It's news to me. I've never heard anything about it, but man, I love that, what I would call glitch punk, I guess. It's not steampunk, but it's glitch punk or something. That's a good descriptor, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah It's there's a lot of like technology, a lot of computer screens with writing and, and programming language you can't really understand. A lot of it 
is depending on iconography. You're mm-hmm. like reading iconography to understand things. And that sounds a little um, challenging. And it is at first, but I kind of got used to the language of the game the more I played. And I only played it for 40 minutes. So I imagine if it's at least like a four or five hour game, you'd uh, fall into that groove pretty quickly. So uh, if you want to see some brief thoughts on the seven or so other games I really enjoyed, you can see my Twitter thread about it at Bopo. That's B-O underscore P-O. Let us now move on to our secret games. Secret games. Secret games. Secret games. Secret games. In secret games, we're each picking an indie game to review and play on our own. And uh, we don't know what the other person picked. We try to pick something that sometimes has to do with our featured game. Sometimes it's completely different, just as long as it's a game we haven't talked about on Underplayed before. So we will start with you, Disco Cola. Let the mystery be no more. Reveal your secret game for episode 30 of Underplayed. My secret game this episode comes from Way Forward, and it is called Mighty Switch Force. Oh, this, hmm, I don't know if I've heard of this. It sounds a little familiar, though. Yeah. Let me take a look at it. Well, I sent you the trailer, so you can take a look at that while uh, I go on. Okay, I am now looking at it, and it actually doesn't look familiar to me, but I know who Way Forward is. Right, of course. Uh, There's actually um, the character you're looking at there. You get that costume in one of the Shantae games as DLC. Oh, cool. And you get to play a little little Switch Force in Shantae. So, Mighty Switch Force, I'm actually going to read the synopsis from the Mighty Switch Force collection startup screen. Okay. Guide cybernetic peacekeeping officer Patricia Wagon and her corporal Gendarmer, is how I'm going to pronounce that, (laughs) on their mission to bring the Hooligan Sisters to justice and restore peace to planet land. And that is about as much of a story synopsis as you need with this game, I would say. Uh, Mighty Switch Force is a puzzle platformer with a 16 or 32-bit style pixel art. Um, as Patricia Wagon, you can do a, just just a couple of things. You can jump, you can shoot your gun, and you can switch, is what I will call it. Switching is where most of the most important mechanics in this game happen. So what that does is it triggers a majority of the puzzle elements... Uh, and many of the puzzle elements are essentially boiled down to either being on or off. So when you press the switch button, it'll change a transparent platform solid and vice versa, and it'll switch back and forth. Uh, Your goal in all of this is to collect all five hooligan sisters in each level by platforming, destroying and evading small enemies, and manipulating those puzzle elements to allow you to reach the new platforms that house the Hooligan Sisters. So, essentially, at the top of my review, I'm going to say that uh, this is probably going to be pretty short. I don't have a lot of overall thoughts on it, so I'm just going to sort of describe what some of the different puzzle elements are and how levels are built around that element. And I think that will help. <laughs> that kind of sounds like what we might do for Bob and A, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that will help us understand a little bit better um, how this game works. So the most basic puzzle element is a block that can either be solid or transparent. Like I said, um, when it's solid, it acts as a platform. When it's transparent, everything passes through it, including yourself and enemies. Uh, 
However, if you stand in the transparent version of the block and switch it to solid, uh, it will throw your character or any of the enemies forward at the screen and literally break the fourth wall of the screen. And is that a death? That That is a point of damage to you, and that is a death to your uh, minor enemies in the stage. Gotcha. So that actually does become something you're required to do to defeat certain types of enemies. There are platforms that also launch characters in a singular direction when you turn them uh, solid, and uh, you will launch until you crash into a ceiling or wall. This is actually my least favorite puzzle element, as it usually results in really tall levels or really wide levels. Um, I also really don't enjoy trying to get the timing down of switching launchers as you're flying at incredible speeds. So a lot of these levels will require you to launch through one launcher and you're heading toward another one, but it's already on. So you have to switch it off and then turn it back on at the right time oh, as wow. you're about to land in that launcher. Wow. Sounds like fast reaction times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it can be really frustrating, especially because these levels are always so tall and you can't actually see where that next launcher is until you get there. And usually you have failed to react quick enough and need to just start the loop all over again. Um, so that's probably my least favorite puzzle element. Uh, next, there are some blocks that are destructible by shooting them. These are mostly just a way to slow you down. You have to shoot them maybe a dozen times to break one. Um, there are similar blocks that are indestructible and can only be destroyed by manipulating exploding bomb enemies near these indestructible blocks. So sometimes that means you have to wait for your little bomb enemy to go whoop, 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 and walk over to it, and then you shoot it. Mm. Um, sometimes you have to launch them with launcher blocks into bombable um, blocks. So that's a little annoying. Um, another block is something I'll call a lock block. In these elements, uh, there are red blocks and gray blocks. And typically, when you start the level, they'll act opposite each other. So if the reds are on, the grays are off, and vice versa. However, if you activate switch while you're standing on the red blocks, they will be locked. So when you switch, they stay on, and then the grays also turn on. Gotcha. And okay. so you have to like manipulate transparency a lot and, and plan your jumps to reach higher levels. Those can be pretty fun, um, but they also can be pretty annoying. There's some really fun platforming challenges with those ones. Um, and then in the final level, you do not have control over your switch mechanic. It acts at a set interval. And this is actually what I enjoyed the most. Um, something I haven't mentioned yet is that each level has like a, a time to beat challenge. And so this, this level in particular is really encouraging you to go fast. And this can be really annoying in like unfamiliar levels, especially in levels that have the launchers. But mm. when the timing of your switch mechanic is sort of taken away from you, that sort of also removes the burden of timing to a certain degree. Like you really have to focus on getting the timing right, but it's in a different way. Yeah. It's not in your control. Um, uh, it seems like less about planning, more about reacting. Yes. And you you don't, yeah, you don't have to press the switch button. This also means that the levels would have to be pretty intelligently designed in order for it to be possible for you to complete each step while operating on a timer. And I'm I'm pretty happy to say that I think this level is really intelligently designed. Mm. Like when I die on this level, for the most part, it feels like it's my fault, mm. which is super cool. So I love when 
the switch mechanic is operating on a timer. So, like I said, you traverse all these different puzzle elements to reach each of the five Hooligan Sisters in each level, uh, and then you have to travel to a sixth location to meet the Corporal, whom will escort you out of the level. And so, what do I like about this game, Bopo? Well, to be honest, not much. Oh, I'm but, sorry. But don't mark this down as a failure quite yet, because what I dislike about the game is also not much. <laughs> okay, good. I thought you were going to say, is also my fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the 16 levels, they really increase in difficulty and complexity in an appropriate way. And when they introduce new puzzle mechanics, you get the appropriate amount of time to learn how it works sort of in a vacuum or in a level that's built entirely around that. And then you get another level following that that introduces maybe a new way to use this mechanic and pair it with old mechanics. Okay, I'm seeing even more synergy yep. with Baba. Yep. And yep. then you get another level that might use many different things you've learned before moving on to a new puzzle element. So I think it's got good flow. Um, it's the, the whole game is constructed in a, an appropriate way. Um, the sprite work and animations are actually great, as they always are from way forward. Um, and as a bonus, even after I already sort of fell in love with the art, uh, I saw that Joachim Sandberg was in the credits for oh. animation, which, uh, as a reminder to you and the listener, is the sole creator of uh, Iconoclasts. Yes, that's right. And uh, one of the things that actually stands out from that episode is that we talked about how the sprite animations exude all that personality. And that's still pretty true here. Um, the last strength I really want to point out is the music. Jake Kaufman composes nearly all the music for Way Forward games, uh, and uh, he always does a great job. But I think the music in Mighty Switch Force actually fits the setting uh, more than many of the songs fit the settings for his other games that he's known for. So it just fits perfectly, I think, right here. Things I don't like, levels built around the launcher platform. Uh, I always don't like sprawling levels, uh, and this is just frustrating. So launcher platforms. Um, and this is maybe a big one, but uh, the game feels a little just lifeless in general. Mm -hmm. Like I don't I don't care about Patricia. I don't care about the hooligan sisters. And I don't care that like their world is essentially being invaded by alien monsters, I think. This game is essentially do puzzle things in order to stand in five different spots and then get to the exit. Yeah, and I'm watching the trailer. Uh, muted right now on a loop. And it does kind of seem like the story is pretty basic and it's kind of surface level as far as like what's going on. Yeah. It's really more about the action and the puzzles. Yeah, the Hooligan Sisters could, they may as well be like flags or orbs or gems or something. Sure, like it, yeah. It would They're just, do the same thing. Yeah, flag is win. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't do me a, a great job of getting me invested in any character in any way beyond maybe offering like the fan service, which I generally also don't care much about. So, at the end of everything, Mighty Switch Force is a pretty decent puzzle platformer that doesn't ever ask too much from the player. However, it doesn't do too much to keep me invested, and I even kind of forgot that I played this for today's episode at one point. Mm. Um, I think the game is pretty good for what it is, but what it is is something that you play in short bursts, in waiting rooms, or if you're one of those people, on the toilet. <laughs> wow. It does offer a layer of difficulty in the form of time challenges for those looking for a greater challenge. Um, if this wasn't also a platformer, I think it would be a great mobile game. 
my experience on this is overall neutral, but more on the positive side still. It's not a bad game for any real reason. But for me, Mighty Switch Force is going to get a 6.0. Okay, I guessed 5.5, so very Pretty close. close. Pretty close. Yeah, toilet games are a thing. You know, I mean, <laughs> some toilet... people some people don't do that and are appalled that others do. And I understand that. I understand yeah. that. But some people might appreciate this more on a mobile device like on the bus or, you know, while traveling or something like that. But yes. um, this reminds me, just looking at it, reminds me of a little bit of Metal Slug yeah. uh, meets... Mega Man a little mm-hmm, bit, just kind of bit. like in like uh, art style and, you know, sci-fi stuff. And then some of the platform switching in Super Mario 3D World. Yes. Especially that last level that yep. you're talking about where it's switching on its own. It reminds me of in Super Mario, uh, I think it's 3D World. Yeah, and I probably exactly. Other, I think other games where it does the deet, deet, deet switch. It sounds deet, almost deet, exactly deet like that. Switch. Yeah, okay, cool. So that idea is kind of borrowed. That's fun. I like that they introduced that and that you felt like even though it's something that isn't really properly introduced earlier in the game, it has its own level, of course, mm-hmm. but it's saved for the end that you still didn't have like frustration with that and that it, mistakes were like your fault. Right. And so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I like that that implementation because that sounds a little risky yeah. to me, but they pulled it off. Yep. Cool. Well, I don't know if I have any other questions about it, but it is an interesting game. Um, it doesn't really look like Baba is You, but there are some ideas about this puzzle platformer that are similar um, in the way that it introduces good foundational mechanics that it builds upon. So that's a good comparison to make to Baba is You. And this came out in 2011, it looks like. Yeah, long, so, long time quite ago. a while back. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, Mighty Switch Force is available on Windows, Wii U, one of those ones that's going to go away soon, uh, 3DS, and then it's also available on the Mighty Switch Force Collection, which is how I played it, and you can get that on Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, Windows. Great. Glad that's available in a lot of places for people who want to play uh, the series. We'll move on to my secret game. My secret game is called... Stick it to the man. Oh, uh, this is also, uh, I believe, okay, yeah, this is another one of those ones that I saw in the shop when I was researching. So awesome, wow. I'm going to check this out while you talk. So, yes, yeah, Stick it to the man. I'm not surprised it is on the eShop that's closing soon because it's from 2013, so it's about 10 years old. It's a puzzle platformer developed by Zoink Games, published by Ripstone Limited. And I will read the game synopsis from the Steam storefront since it's on Steam. Quote, hard hat tester Ray has a bizarre accident and wakes up with a giant pink spaghetti arm sticking out of his brain. With his awesome new powers, he can read minds and change the world with stickers. But he's on the run for a crime he didn't commit. Can you help Ray out of this sticky situation? End quote. So this game is... Ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Uh, it is a 2.5D side-scrolling platformer. You can walk kind of in the Z axis mm-hmm. uh, from time to time. So it's kind of like Little Big Planet, where if you remember Little Big Planet, yeah. you could have like three different planes. That sometimes happens in this game, uh, but it's mostly side-scrolling. It has a cardboard, paper, and sticker style of graphics. And the game is about a lot of abstract ideas and reading people's minds. So it really feels like the story of Psychonauts meets the art style of Tearaway and Little Big Planet. I was going to say, it reminds me a lot of what Psychonauts looks like. Yes. Also, you know, some of the 
construction materials of like Paper Mario and Bug Fables, that kind of look is going on in here. And the game starts off uh, with Ray kind of just doing his job. And there's this airship carrying a mysterious object that gets hit by lightning and it drops this object down. And the object strikes Ray and Ray goes into a temporary coma and he enters this dream world where he has a giant pink arm coming out of his head and he finds out he can use that to grab objects and stick them elsewhere as if they're stickers. And he can also find these push pins in the world and attach to those like a grapple point with this pink arm as well. And pretty soon he wakes up and discovers he still has the arm in his head, even after uh, being released from the hospital. Uh, and he finds out that the arm gives him one more powerful ability while he's awake, and that's to read minds. And every living creature in Stick It to the Man has a mind that can be read, which often give clues to uh, items they might want or maybe a relationship they want to have. And Ray is kind of in shock about all these developments. To make matters worse, there's this team of agents led by a shadowy figure called the man, and they are now chasing Ray because of these new powers and this object that struck his head. So Ray has to use his pink arm to find out what's happened to him, um, escape the man's pursuit, and solve people's problems along the way. Um, the gameplay is broken up into two primary kinds. There's the puzzle solving, where you're going around figuring out what people want by reading their minds, finding stickers, using stickers in the environment to progress, and then also evading the man's agents. There are sections of the game where uh, they're walking around and you need to, uh, you can't really fight them at all. You have to go around them. You have to distract them. Sometimes you use stickers to guide them away from your path so that you can move through that place uh, kind of stealthily. Um, there are 10 chapters that are each set in a different location. And they're often tasking Ray with exploring around and um, interpreting you know, what all these objects are meant to be used for, these stickers. Uh, so sometimes you clear a path forward by doing these favors for people and you'll uh, progress sort of in this inadvertent way. Uh, there's an example of you run into a Yeti who is oh, bald. everyday Yeti, yeah. There's lots of you know, crazy fictional creatures in this, but you run into a Yeti who's bald and they want either a toupee or a hat or something. And you find a conductor leading an orchestra uh, rehearsal and you steal the conductor's wig and you give it to the <laughs> Yeti. And this allows the Yeti to regain his confidence, to find his true love. And then he breaks out of the cell he's being held in and he knocks down a door that was locked. And then that's how you progress. Um, there's another level where you have to charge a battery. You don't really know why you need the battery at first, but there's this man being electrocuted. Oh, <laughs> He's being tortured. So you have to bring him the battery sticker. And then when they shock him, that charges up the battery. And then you use the battery to shock a dead whale back to life, mm. and that whale then carries you to the next chapter. So okay. that's how bizarre some of these solutions are. There are many, many dozens more that I could reference, but that would just waste time listing more. So what I liked about Stick It to the Man, uh, Stick It to the Man has a really clean presentation and art style. It has this look and feeling and gameplay that's a lot like a double fine game if you've played these uh, Psychonauts or 
you know, Costume Quest or any of these other Double Fine games. So uh, I couldn't believe at first that this wasn't from Double Fine, right. just in how it looks and how it uh, feels. Um, the puzzle element has you thinking outside the box about how objects can be repurposed. You'll read someone's mind and they'll have a thought bubble with a sticker inside of it. And you're taught to look for those stickers and think of how that object could be used in a different context. And I would say the game is really imaginative and has a lot of bizarre scenarios, both in the real world and then when Ray slips into unconsciousness uh, or subconsciousness, which happens a, a couple times throughout. And I'd say it's safe to say there's no game quite like this one. Um, even though I mentioned all of those possible influences for the game. And the game also uses licensed music, uh, specifically by Kenny Rogers and the first edition, this song called I Just Dropped In, which I first heard from The Big Lebowski, but it's used on the in the title sequence and then at the end of the game, and it's a really fitting song thematically for this whole experience. Um, that is about where my likes end, I have probably just as many dislikes. So in Stick It to the Man, I think the originality of the game exists solely in the imagery and the harebrained puzzles, not so much in the plot. I just uh, think the game is a lot of nonsense, adding up to a story that doesn't really take itself seriously. So I'm not invested in this story. Um, anything goes, nothing really matters. It's a story about powers that are the most powerful in the world. But the general goofiness kind of takes any stakes away from the story. So I'm not really invested in what happens. Then there's the gameplay act of reading thoughts. And I think it's an awkward activity that you're forced to do a lot of. I couldn't understand any thoughts on the platform I played this on until I enabled subtitles, which weren't oh, on by default. No. So when I stretched my pink hand on someone's mind to read their thoughts... It, the camera zooms in on them as a close-up and the music in the background kind of ramped up a little bit, but I'm not hearing their inner voice and I'm not seeing anything on screen. And I thought something feels off with this. Like mm -hmm. I feel like something should be happening. And so I went into the settings and I had to turn on subtitles. And then when I read those minds again, then all the text showed up at the bottom of the screen. And then I read what their thoughts were it felt like there should be voiceover going on there. And I wonder if in other versions of the game that that happens and it just didn't happen for me. I, and it was just a glitch, but it happened throughout where I couldn't hear their thoughts. Oh, that's so bizarre. They were they were like voiceover for the thoughts in the trailer that you right. shared with me. That's You're right, which is really bizarre, which makes me think that the version I played, which was the PS4 version is broken in that way, or it's just somehow not turned on and I couldn't figure out how to turn it on. So that broke the flow for me as just having to read the subtitles every time I read minds and you read minds a ton in this game. Right. Of course. Um, so also uh, selecting someone's mind to read is kind of rough when multiple people are standing close to each other. That pink hand is hard to direct sometimes, and I would often pick the wrong mind. Yeah. It's just kind of really loose with it, where it, it goes. I mean, it's they call it, what, a spaghetti arm? Yes. Yeah, so. It feels like spaghetti. And I so would imagine. There are sections where there are three or four characters standing right next to each other, and there's a trophy for reading every mind in the game. Oh, no. So, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to check all of them off, you have to make sure you get in there and find the right brain to pick. Uh, there is spoken dialogue when you're not reading minds. 
that came through for me, but sometimes it would get interrupted when I triggered a cutscene. So I would be walking left to right. I'd hear two people having a conversation, but then I walked far enough that a cutscene triggered and it totally disrupted that conversation. And then a new conversation is happening in this cutscene. So I thought that was a little rough. Uh, puzzles, even though they increase in difficulty, like logically, at their hardest, they can kind of be brute forced easily because you only have so many stickers and only so many places to place the stickers. So if I ever got stuck, I just tried to go around finding all the stickers I could and then slapping them wherever they might go. And if one was incompatible, it tells you. It goes, I don't think this is used here. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of trial and error until wow. the right one is stuck in the proper place. Um, it's not like you can place a sticker and hope that you have the right solution. The game tells you you have the wrong solution. Okay. So it's more about just cycling through all of your stickers until you find the one that fits this spot that a sticker clearly goes. Um, and then encounters with the man's agents are pretty easy, and they don't really evolve much for most of the game. But then the last few chapters, they jump up in difficulty dramatically. And I had to like redo these sections a ton. It just seemed like an unfair jump in difficulty. So overall, though Stick It to the Man is about a sticky pink hand, its shallow story and gameplay don't grab me. That's a pun intended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's somewhat redeemed with its imaginative art style and visual personality. Um, I really wanted to like this one, but it's too superficial and silly for me to fall in love with it. So I'm going to give this one a five out of 10. Dang, that's too bad. Uh, it is playable on PC, Mac, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, which is where I played it, and Xbox One. All right. Well, I don't have a lot of questions about Stick It to the Man. Um, when I saw that on the eShop this morning, I was like, oh, that looks that looks like Psychonauts. I'm not sure if that's indie or not, so right. I won't mention it. But yeah, um, uh, yeah it looks cool, uh, visually, anyways. Um, the only question I have is in regards to, like, stickers themselves when you find solutions to sticker-based puzzles do those stickers often become unavailable throughout the rest of the game yeah so you find them in one place and then you have to find how they could be repurposed mm -hmm. and usually it is changing something about a, another character like there are multiple puzzle solutions where you need to find a mouth or lips mm -hmm. and you need to put that mouth or lips on another person to change how they speak or what they say. And then that just becomes who they are. You don't, I don't think you pick up stickers again and then reuse them again okay. a lot. I think cool. it's just finding one home for all the stickers. Cool. And then when you encounter something that is meant to be a sticker, is it very obvious that it's a sticker that you need to collect and take with you? It is. It is. It has a certain appearance that nothing else has. When you pick up a sticker, your pink hand is holding that sticker. And as you walk around, that's just the default sticker that it will slap onto something oh. if you find a sticker spot. And sticker spots are also very apparent and obvious. Okay. But you can hold multiple stickers and you can use, if you're using the uh, a controller, for instance, I think you can use the D-pad to switch between all of your active stickers and then the pink hand will hold a different sticker from your inventory. Okay. So that's how you select what you want to slap onto a sticker spot. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot else to say about this game, but I will say it's pretty, it's a two, two crazy coincidences. One that you saw this when you were looking at the eShops. And then two, this is my second secret game this season in which the inciting incident of the plot 
is an airship getting hit by lightning. <laughs> That's true. The other being Carto. <laughs> Carto. Very different games. They are both puzzle games, but very different uh, ideas and like emotions going on in these two games. But also, what are the odds? yeah, right. Another coincidence is that both of our secret games are eShop games. Yes. The 3DS, Wii Love U, that. eShop games. And, and one of the rare examples where your game could. Uh, be considered synergizing with the featured game yes. and the puzzle elements. Yes, I, and I didn't actually expect it to be as puzzly. I thought it was just a straight side-scrolling platformer. It was a little more puzzly than I expected, so that was actually kind of a pleasant surprise mm-hmm. that there was a little bit more to talk about there. Um, but yeah, I don't have synergy as often, and I managed to have synergy with both your secret game and our featured game, Bob is You, so that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, so those are our secret games, Mighty Switch Force and Stick It to the Man. Let's move on to our review of Baba Is You. It is our featured game. Baba Is You is a 2019 puzzle game developed by Hempuli, who I think is the developer name of RV Teikari, a Finnish indie developer. It was also published by Hempuli. The game synopsis from the Steam storefront reads, quote, Baba Is You is a puzzle game where the rules you have to follow are present as blocks you can interact with. By manipulating them, you can change how the game works, repurpose things you find in the levels, and cause surprising interactions, end quote. This is going to be a challenging game to paint the picture of. Yeah. I feel like you and I can do it. And kind of like what you did with Mighty Switch Force, I think a lot of this review will just be describing what is going on in the game and what's possible in the game. My personal thoughts are pretty brief. Mine too. Okay. So we'll do our best to set it up. Uh, Baba's You has this hand-drawn look, very simplistic, minimalist look. It kind of looks like crayon. Crayons, yeah. Is that what you thought too? It's, yeah, kind of like a... A young kid's color page. Yeah. Like not like not like a two year old, like my two year old, but like <laughs> right. but like nine. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of adds this youthful kind of curiosity so cute. to it. Yeah, it's very cute. Um in many levels you control a white four legged creature named Baba who moves up, down, left, and right on a grid. Now I said many levels, not every level. That's and we'll right. get to that in a second. Because each level is dictated by these rules for what all the objects on screen are allowed to do. And each rule is written on screen with words, like the Steam storefront description read. So the most commonly seen rule is probably Baba is you. Each of those three words is a block that can be moved, as is every other rule. So Baba is a subject, uh, is is a connecting word, Mm -hmm. and then you is kind of a property. And unlike most games where you control the same character all throughout and you just know that you'll be the protagonist the whole time, the concept of you, the player, is a role that's assigned with a state of being verb and an object. So Baba (laughs) is you, but uh, Rock could also be you. So one constant is that you, the player, always need to be represented somewhere on screen as a rule. Um, if the word you is no longer assigned in a valid way that has you controlling something, the level just stops dead mm-hmm. and you have to undo your moves to figure out another solution. So thankfully there is an undo button. You can easily step back and undo many actions. You can 
it kind of records all of your moves up to the point you're at. And you can hold down that undo button and go way back yep. if you majorly screw up a level. So you could also reset levels really quickly. Um, and in order to pass a level, you have to interact with something that has the win rule. Mm -hmm. So win is a rule. The first example of this, I think, is flag, flag. is win. Yeah, flag right? is usually win. And, you know, flag's a fitting icon for win. You'll see this yellow flag. You have to touch it while it says flag is win, and you pass the level. Uh, but again, other objects can be win, right? So uh, rock can be win. A door can be win. Uh Baba can be win. Baba can be win. And, th and then this level just kind of stops. If you create that sentence, the level just stops and you win. So um, there are objects like rocks and walls and keys and doors, uh, water and lava, and many, many, many more. There are tons of words and objects in this game. And uh, just like Baba and you, all these objects can be assigned rules uh, through the words on screen. So you'll see a rock in one of the first levels and you want to push it to get it out of the way so that you can get to the flag, which is win. And in order to push it, you have to see the words rock is push. And in order for a key to open a door, the door has to have the property shut and the key has to have the property open. So it gets that specific. Nothing is inferred other than what button does undo and what four buttons move up, down, left, and right. Everything else is open to change level to level. There are also more state of being words. So is is the most basic one, but you also run into words like and and has and not and make and on. And you can form even more complex sentences like uh, rock has key and rock is weak. That, that's kind of a lot of things going on yeah. in one sentence. All of these fundamentals create... Uh, the basis for 200 levels in Baba is You. There are 10 or so different areas on a map level selection screen. And there are also secrets in this game, some of which are really meta and bend the rules of the game beyond what's in the levels themselves. Um, I guess the only other thing I would add is that every level pretty much takes place on one screen. You're not like scrolling the screen to a new area and flipping back and forth. What you see on screen is the level and mm -hmm. everything you need to solve the level is on screen in front of you. So it's a hard game to describe <laughs> unless you see gameplay footage. Do you think there's anything else we need to mention? I don't think so, man. Okay. I guess I would say that you sort of start the game on like a, a Mario 3 style world map. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there are worlds within the world map, and those are sort of, each one is sort of themed, and obviously as you get to, like, World 7 and World 8, difficulty sort of increases while also changing theme. Yes, and kind of what you talked about with introducing foundational concepts in Mighty Switch Force, the first level of an area will usually introduce a new concept you haven't seen before, and then that is built upon in the successive levels of that world. And then when you get to the next world, there might be another rule or idea that it plays with. And it just kind of remixes all these ideas within that group of levels in that area. So I want to preface our thoughts on Baba is You 
with talking about our playtime and what we were able to accomplish with our limited time before this review. So I'm just curious, how much of Baba Is You were you able to just see? <laughs> how much did you see of this game? Um, I did look up the, there are two endings to Baba Is You. I did look up the second ending because I did not accomplish it on my own. Um, but I actually have down here in my notes uh, where I am essentially, and I have 81 seeds and six wow. flowers uh, before I got the first ending and nice. I essentially stopped. So um, not bad. Some of that does include like looking up some solutions because I did I did hit a brick wall at, at one point before uh, I could move on. But um, And when you say first ending, is that where you see credits? Yes. Okay. Yep. There, gotcha. there is an, a, another additional ending that essentially comes from like completing more and more levels. Maybe all of the levels. I don't actually okay. know what unlocks that that level. But um, so I saw a lot. I dipped my toe into every single different world. Awesome. Um, but did not accomplish much in the later worlds. Yeah, and I think that highlights that if you get stuck somewhere on one level, that's not the only level you can access usually. Usually you have at least three or four different levels you could try. Per per world. Per like world, if yeah. you have like six worlds unlocked, that's that's potentially like twenty levels yes. you could you could flip through. Yeah. So I think the game gets super hard. Yeah. Um, but you're never really <laughs> locked in one place. So you can try other things. What happened with me here is I severely underestimated the time it would take to finish. Baba is you. I looked up the how long to beat and it was a pretty low uh, time, but I think that's just for the first ending. And like you, I wanted to touch all the areas. And in order to do that, it required much more time than the minimum time to quote unquote finish. Yes. Yeah. You can actually gain access to the first ending level pretty early. You can. If you get enough of the levels complete. Uh, which I think is a great balance of like difficulty, but then also accomplishment. Yeah. So I did that accomplishment largely on my own, but then because I wanted to just be more knowledge about what is possible in this game, I did look up lots of solutions. I actually got to over 100 seeds. Excellent, um, dude. But tons of those were me. You know, I gave it a fair try at first, but I then consulted uh, tutorial videos if I got stuck yep. like majorly. So I ended up doing that a lot just to be able to see a lot of the later levels like you're talking about, just to have that experience. So I am proud of what I was able to accomplish, but so much of it would have taken me 50 to 100 hours mm -hmm. of playtime mm -hmm. that I just didn't have the yep. time for before this recording. So Wanted to note that up top. Lots of people will not play this game that way. Lots of people will sit on the same group of, you know, 10 to 20 levels, maybe going back and forth or grinding on just a few levels until they figure it out. And I think that is really satisfying. I just wish I had more time to do that. So um, now getting that out of the way, Curious Disco Cola, what are your thoughts on Baba Is You? Yeah, more than any other episode, probably my thoughts are a little bit more bullet pointed than usual. Sure. So I got what I feel was a good distance before I had to like start looking up some solutions. I got to the point where I was in worlds five, six, and seven, and I just couldn't figure out any of the any of the levels that I needed to to beat um, that were open to me. So um, I did start looking up some solutions. Uh, a lot of the ones in the space level, unfortunately. Um, I think belts are really confusing. I have I struggle really hard 
with using the conveyor belts. I don't really like them. Yeah. Um, puzzles where I'm swapping back and forth between objects after each time I move, that's really challenging for me. Um, and really anything that shifts after each singular movement sort of boggles my mind a little bit. So trying to line up like Kiki's movement direction yes. with my movement direction and another object that might kill me. Uh, yes. Those levels are very challenging for me. Yeah, because these levels are on a grid where it might be, you know, 30 spaces wide by 30 spaces tall or something like yeah. that. And sometimes if you're controlling something every other move or you're controlling two things at the same time, you need to have those things coincide at some point mm -hmm. while avoiding obstacles that will kill you, yeah. like something that is defeat. And that can be hard to just do the math on. It's, yeah. It can be trial and error. It's most of, mostly trial and error yeah. for me. Um, levels that uh, allow me to unlock the win condition and then still do a couple more things for fun mm. after that win condition's already unlocked, I love those. Those are my favorite. So an example, like I activated the win condition, um, but I was still able to turn most of the objects in the level into Baba at the end. Yeah. So I just had like 49 Babas on the screen <laughs> and we were just all moving toward the fly. It, I love that. Yeah. That's my favorite kind of level where I get to just sort of play around and there's not just like such a treacherous and fragile solution. Yes. The the goofier things can get, the more fun it can be yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. Um I think the first ending is cute. I think I am not smart enough for this game. I did manage I have down here that I managed to unlock that second blockade before I got stuck again. So I was pretty proud of that. Um and when I say the blockade, there's like a a Mario Brothers 3 like lock yes. on that main level selection screen. So you have to... You have to have so many flowers. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I was pretty proud of that. Um, I have down here that the level Lovely House was particularly disappointing. I don't remember why at this point, but uh, <laughs> so many times when I was doing that, I felt like I was onto something. Uh, just, I think I probably put over 30 or 40 tries in it. And I was just like, I'm onto something. I know it. And I just couldn't figure it out. Um, I appreciate that the game doesn't ask for too, too many of the overall levels to be completed before reaching the first ending. Like we said, um, I think that's, that's a great way to keep all levels of intellect interested in the game. Um, and I think that's a, a great accessibility, uh, feature. Um, I love that each character is cute. So Baba and Kiki each character is cute, especially Baba. I love Baba. Cute little sheepy little looking guy. And he's kind of nondescript. He's like, nondescript. You're he's right. He's just like a four-legged white thing. Yes. I I, like I have always opted to consider him a sheep, but yeah. uh, I think that's my clear. I think that was my intuition too, but it's never made clear. Yeah. I think the game could have more effectively taught new mechanics. Like it does it in a great way um, that allows the the player to to grasp concepts but uh i think the personality of this game sort of lends itself to maybe the occasional like baba cutscene where mm. uh the little cutie could just like solve a short little puzzle for you on the screen so mm. if you remember like if you remember games like number muncher 
back in the day, like on the computer. Occasionally, after like five or six levels, you get like a little cutscene where a number muncher's chasing the bad guys or something. Yeah, a little something like that. And they almost do that, I think, in the first level. Yeah, when they introduce what movement is, like mm-hmm. what's inferred with movement keys, like this is how you move. And then it also, when it introduces the sentence, Baba is you, you kind of animates on screen. And it's like saying, this is the most foundational rule. Yeah. And we're we're kind of just showing you this. And I think it's kind of a little cutscene. It is like a little cutscene. I'd take a little bit more of those, I think. And that would help me maybe understand belts better, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think this game is brilliant. It could possibly be a cool entry point into like programming logic. I only had to do a little bit of that maybe in college. Um, but it, it's sort of like the same part of my brain here that had to deal with that. So um, could be a cool way to start conceptualizing programming logic by playing a fun, cute little game. Uh, I'm definitely not smart enough to complete this game without a guide, but I appreciate the use of if and statements as a puzzle game. Um, I feel really proud when I figure out solutions and intrigued even when I have to look most of them up. I love the art style, as always. Uh, If I hadn't looked up the final ending of this game, I think I probably would be done with it, but I do want to reach that final ending and experience it for myself in my own hands. Otherwise, it's just a little too hard for me personally. Uh, Like Thumper, many of my complaints are mostly coming down to skill issue, Uh, but I think even objectively speaking, that this game does get pretty difficult even for much more intelligent people, I would say. Um, So because of all of that and uh, scaling for skill issue, I want to give this game a 7.5. Okay, 7.5. Still a positive score from Disco Cola. And I agree with a lot of your thoughts on this. Um, I think Baba Is You is... Another puzzle experience from this season that's unlike anything I've played. There have been lots of those. Yeah. And here is yet another one. And it's unlike anything I'll probably play in the future. So I think a lot of people who play it would agree. I think that's part of the draw. It's just such a one of a kind sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, And I agree that, you know, it makes me feel stupid. We're not alone because I looked at (laughs) Steam reviews for this and there are countless people who use the gag, me is dumb or me is stupid in their review. Now you can't do it because then you're then you're a sheep listener. Right, yeah, you're, can't a, do you're it a Baba. You're, you're whatever Baba is, no. Um, but what I liked about Baba is You is never has a game had me talking out loud to myself more than Baba is You. <laughs> uh, not out of frustration or success, but more as a means to reinforce what I know that my brain refuses to keep inside all at once. (laughs) There were so many times when there are lots of things happening at once and I just needed to keep going back to the foundational rules that I know that are written on screen. And so I'd go back and I'd find myself saying out loud, okay, so Baba is you, rock is push, key is open, all these things. And I would say them out loud over and over again. And if you were to observe me, you'd probably think I'm a crazy person. Um, I love how experimentation is encouraged and experimentation can take you down one of many paths to a solution. Not all levels can be solved in multiple ways, but the more variables there are in a level, the more likely we can each use our 
own personal experience and our own ideas in coming up with a solution. And so I loved when I tried something out and there was a solution. And then I looked up uh, something about the level and someone else had a completely different solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, love that. Um, it's Again, it's not every level, but it's cool that there are so many variables that that can happen. And I'm simply in awe of the number of words this game has and how each level offers a unique idea. And that's what makes the game really hard to summarize. There are over 200 levels. And although some levels build on foundational knowledge from a previous level, each level is kind of still doing something different. And so it's hard to sit here and talk about everything this game can do uh, because it's just innovating all the time. And uh, love that I'm getting a simple idea broken down for me in the first level of a world. And that allows me a little bit more access to understand the more complex levels that come after it. When I would enter a new area of levels, the difficulty went back down a little bit because Mm -hmm. I was doing that simpler level first. So love that it wasn't just harder and harder and harder the whole way through. I worked on levels in my mind when I wasn't playing Baba is You. There was a morning when I woke up and I was immediately thinking about the game. And I thought of an answer I didn't think about the night before. And then when I went to the game later that day, I tried it out and I made further progress. And then I figured out the level. So like (laughs) I'm working on the game subconsciously when I'm not playing it sometimes. Yeah, I was actually on vacation when I played this and uh, a little bit of the same. That's the mark of a puzzle game that really makes an impression on me. My dislikes with Baba is You, I don't really have any major dislikes. All the problems with the game are my own impatience and stupidity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a highly specific kind of game that's either going to be your thing or it isn't. And it isn't quite my type of game that got me obsessed to the level I hoped it would, but it's still such an innovative and impressive game for me. I agree that some ideas maybe aren't taught sufficiently. Uh, There's a level called prison that I wrote down an example of where you have to trap Kiki within this sentence that is wall is stop. And then you have to use Kiki. uh, You have to use Kiki is you to push the words apart from each other to break a barrier. And it's just something I never would have thought to do. So that was one that I had to look up. Um, Also, I think like one valid criticism is that it's difficult to recall where certain levels are if you want to revisit something. There are no preview thumbnails to the levels, and they start to kind of blend together in my mind with where they are. You're just selecting a square on a map. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to revisit a specific level, you have to remember where it is and what its name is. And there are over 200 levels in the game, so it's hard to memorize all this stuff. So overall, uh, Baba is You made me mumble myself into a new state of consciousness. <laughs> I'm in awe. Can I quote you on that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I'm in awe of its sheer complexity and variety with such simple ideas. And it's a game I probably admire more so than I enjoy while I'm playing it. But that amount of admiration is tremendous. I'm going to rate this an 8.5 out of 10. Excellent. So you mentioned... Um, this would factor into programming logic and it might appeal to people who study programming. It's funny you mentioned this because I spoke to a work friend who played this and he played it alongside a friend of his who's a programmer. And he was telling me how it was interesting having this sit down session where he's not a programmer, his friend is, and they're cooperatively 
working on the game together. And so they kind of brought their own perspectives to it. And his programmer friend got super into Baba is Nice. That's so great. Yeah. So I thought that was really fun to hear about. And I think this is a really great unintentional co-op experience if Mm -hmm. you have the right person to sit down with. Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe someone's like seeing a solution that you're not, you can't even comprehend at that moment. Or maybe you're stuck just on this like one path of solution and you keep trying it over and over and it's not the solution. Maybe yeah. having someone else that thinks of something in a different way. That would be really fun. Yeah. And I, there were levels where I got stuck for a long time. And for some reason, I just could not get an idea for a solution out of my head, even though I have proven to myself that it, it's not the solution. Yeah. And I just imagine if 30 minutes into a level, I can't figure it out. If someone else came in and sat next to me and they go with fresh eyes, they go, well, did you try this? That uh-huh. would probably help me solve things a lot faster. So um, there are rules that I wrote down as really interesting, like when you combine certain uh, words. So what I wrote down is a key was blocking the path. Mm-hmm. And I made the sentence, key is open and shut. And the key canceled itself out. Mm, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting idea because we're, we're taught to use keys to open doors. And here, the key is the door and the key <laughs> that opens yeah. the door. So uh, did you have any examples of like really interesting ideas that maybe only showed up once? I mean, I did a couple of of canceling out occasionally. Like that's that's pretty cool in concept. Not nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. Just just when I was talking about in my thoughts, um, just when I can do extra things for fun, like turning most of the level into rocks or baba. Um, I just I enjoy doing that. I felt proud of when I could shuffle which character was you without breaking the level, without shutting it off. Yeah. Um, that being said, I hate the actual act of doing it because it is very tedious. Yes. It's hard to do that because yeah, as soon as you break that sentence of Baba is you, the level stops. And it usually like requires you to take one character and loop all the way around the sentence to yes. move one word one yeah. time and then you're controlling a different character and you have to loop all the way around. Yeah, you, ha- you have to sometimes arrange it in a way where the move you make to change that sentence immediately makes a new sentence. Yeah. And do you even have space for that? Lots yeah. of levels you can't do that at all. It's uh, So I felt proud whenever I was like figuring out how to do that without dying essentially. But yeah. uh, I think that idea becomes more common later on. Mm-hmm. But I don't like doing it. It's not fun. One really funny idea that made me laugh out loud was, you know, there's a connecting word they introduced fairly early on uh, called has. Mm -hmm. So if you have like rock has key, if the rock gets destroyed, inside the rock is a key and it will just generate a, a key. Those are cool. Those are cool. I encountered a level where I had to make a rule called box has box has box. (laughs) <laughs> and what that did is it made this endless supply of boxes. boxes. Yeah. Every time I broke a box, it made a box and then that made a box. Uh, so just adding one more has box on the end of box has box <laughs> creates this infinite loop. Love that. Uh, another one I wrote down was Baba is you while Kiki is Baba is Kiki is you. <laughs> and that is the one you're talking about where you're changing every step. Uh-huh. You take a step, you change into Baba, and then you take another step, you change into Kiki. I think and I had to look that one up. I think I did too. But 
seeing that written on screen <laughs> is hilarious. Baba is you. Kiki is Baba is Kiki is you. <laughs> it's so funny. And yeah, it gets to the place of logic and programming that I no longer understand. But I still really appreciate that that is being presented in an interactive way that I could conceivably come up with myself. That is really fun. Um, in college, I took a class called Intro to Logic. I think that might be the same class I that you're thinking yeah. about. This game reminded me of so many concepts from that, even though I don't remember the material of that class immediately. Um, it was a class all about interpreting rules that are written in shorthand and lots of if-then statements or if-and-only-if statements. And so I was brought back to all these ideas of like uh, conditional statements, biconditional statements, negation statements that I had to learn. And I treated that class like a class about solving puzzles. That was the easiest way for me to kind of wrap my mind around things. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, if you're interested in logic, this is a logic game. It's also a programming game. So one other really fun little thing that I think is must be fun for speedrunners is I noticed you can hit an X direction and a Y direction at virtually the same time. And whoever you're controlling will move to kind of a diagonal spot instantly. You don't have to make an X movement, wait for it to be done, and then a Y movement. They can kind of happen simultaneously. So I was able to move really quickly oh, in this game. Interesting. In a way that I didn't expect, I guess. Did you uh, have any fun mechanics like that that you appreciated that the game went a little bit farther with? Uh, well, I definitely didn't notice that. And to be honest, that scares me a little bit because I often accidentally push... Uh, words that I don't want to push just because I'm moving too quickly. Yeah. Um, I think float offers uh, interesting ways to think about stuff. I don't always like dealing with it, but it's an interesting way to add a third dimension without adding a third dimension. Yeah, that one I couldn't wrap my mind around at yeah, first. It was very hard. And you'll enter a level and everything is float. You're like, wait, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> Everything's float. Uh, yeah, so... Man, we could just keep going back and forth on like rules and what certain words do. I think there are over a hundred words mm -hmm. between all of the um, conditions, all the connecting words, and then all the objects. Word itself is a word. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's crazy. That one got a little bit confusing to deal with when I I only encountered it once or twice because I didn't go much further beyond that. But um, yeah, those that one's hard to deal with too. Uh, I don't have anything else really on the game. You know, it's really a game that I appreciate. It's a game that made me feel dumb, yeah, like you said. <laughs> yes. But I'm in awe of it. Even though I don't enjoy it, I appreciate it yeah, so much. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. I think this was one of my picks when we did the season two finale. I've wanted to play this for a while. Um, before we wrap, I wrote down a couple of rules or words that I think could be fun. Um, yeah. And, and maybe are in the game. I just didn't get far enough to see them. <laughs> sure. Um, so even though I talked about like hating switching between two different objects after each step, maybe swap would be a fun word. Like Baba is swap with something flag. Sure. And so every other move, every other you're move. moving one of the characters. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, with that, with, which might actually already be in the game. I don't know if with is in the game. Um, t 
taking inspiration from Mighty Switch Force, uh, launch could be a fun mechanic. So if you say rock is launch, maybe you do one movement and rock goes until it hits a wall in the direction that it's facing. Yeah. I guess like belts kind of do that. Belts kind of do that, Um, but it's like it requires a move per square of belt. It does, yeah. And you're also reminding me of like a little bit of tele, like Mm -hmm. teleport. Oh, yeah. It's Uh, a little bit like teleport, but teleport's not like restricted by direction. It's from point to point. Point to point. It could be any direction, yeah. Yeah, I was... I think I was reading an interview with Hempuli and there were a lot of ideas for words that were scrapped because they were either vague or they repeated a concept very similar mm-hmm. to another word. And so that was a process to filter down the words to the point where like no word is too powerful and no word is too similar to another word. Yeah. Um, got a couple more, maybe double. So when something is moving after each movement, it moves twice instead of just once. Like two squares instead of one. You can accomplish that with has move, I think. Like if Baba is you and then Baba has move, I think when you move, you move two spaces. Okay, but something that's not you. Oh, something that's not you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So like if you're moving Kiki. Gotcha. Kiki is move and Kiki is double. Oh, gotcha. And then she would move two spaces maybe instead of just one. I know the game introduces like letters. I don't know if it introduces numbers i don't think it does but yeah that's interesting uh and then hop i I don't feel as strongly about this one but maybe hop allows you to do float but temporarily oh okay i didn't think it through that much but essentially jumping over objects but still having access to the ground Yeah, yeah yeah so like it would uh overwrite something that is block yeah, right. maybe that's okay. it. When when you get to something that is stop, maybe you can hop over one block of is stop. Yeah, there is trial and error in this game of figuring out not only what rules do, but how rules are written. Yeah. Because Baba is you, that much can be clear, but you is not Baba. You cannot make the sentence you is Baba. And the way I wrapped my head around this is if you have an is statement, whatever is first is the thing that is second or becomes the thing that is second. Okay. The thing that is second does not become the thing that is first. So if you make like Baba is you, uh, but then you move like rock is you, rock becomes you, you don't become rock, even though that seems like both ways would work. Mm-hmm. So like the order of words matters. matters yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the complete list of words and I do see that like one through, t- wait, it goes through like one through 10 and then 14, 16 are numbers, but they're you type words. So I don't know if that would play into your idea. Oh, maybe. And again, we haven't, we're not masters of the game, so we don't know <laughs> what we're talking about anymore. Um, but, uh, I never encountered the word sleep. So I don't know what that does. I didn't encounter the word bonus. I don't know what that does. Um, There are certain modifiers where like you can't be near a a wall. I I saw the, it was like Baba near wall is defeat or something like that. That that was crazy. I don't like that. Yeah. So (laughs) near is like an is type word uh, in that case. There's another is type word called facing. 
So if you're facing a certain thing, a rule will activate. Oh. And I can't think of an example, but Whoa. it gets that crazy. And I also like how all the nouns, like all the Baba type words, a lot of them essentially are just changing out the sprite and changing the word, but they're changing the artwork to fit the style of the area you're in. Mm -hmm. So like the space type area has stuff like star and stars moon. and moons and rocket, but they're yeah. the same as like a rock, you yeah. know, they don't, they don't have any inherent properties on their own that are different. So I like that they went the extra step and that the whole game isn't just rocks and uh, leaves, right. you know, <laughs> it's, it's other things too, to fit the art style. But yeah, that's all I had. I would say if there's another one, they could call it Baba is two. Oh. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I hope they do that. We'll, uh, we'll ring up Hempuli. Yes. Let them know. I'm sure Hempuli has not thought of that at all. I'm <laughs> not, sure that not a, a single time. A brand new idea. <laughs> idea is new. <laughs> and with that, review is end. You can play Baba Is You on PC, Mac, Linux, Android, iOS, and Nintendo Switch. Disco Cola rated it a 7.5. I rated it an 8.5. That's the end of this episode of Underplayed. You can find more of our episodes at kzum.org slash underplayed and on common podcast services like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Our music was composed by Jack Rodenberg. Our art comes from Onimochi. Underplayed is on Twitter at underplayedpod. You can find me on Twitter at bopo, that's B-O underscore P-O, and check out that same handle on the GG app where you can see my game lists and what I'm currently playing. And I'm at Disco Cola on Twitter and Twitch playing many of the secret games, uh, but not as much uh, as I used to. Uh, and I'm also on the GG app on that same handle with very little to show for it at this point in time. Next time, we will have two more secret games to review, and our featured game will be Amnesia, The Dark Descent, a survival horror game developed by Frictional Games. Until then, everyone, keep on playing. Keep on playing.